You're listening to the Teaching Matters podcast, brought to you by the University of Edinburgh and part of the Teaching Matters blog. Teaching Matters brings together students and staff in conversation, debate, and celebration of learning and teaching in higher education. Feel free to share your comments with us, either directly on the blog or email us at teachingmatters at ed.ac.uk. You can listen and subscribe to the Teaching Matters podcast at Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and music is provided by Hook Sounds. This episode is part of an occasional series from the Teaching Matters podcast, where current and previous contributors to the Teaching Matters blog discuss their writing process, as well as the social and academic relevance of their work. These discussions give insight into how contributors construct ideas and meaning around teaching and learning. In this episode, Joanna Holton, director of the MasterCard Scholars Foundation program at the University of Edinburgh, talks to Brindley Fortuin, a PhD student at the University of Edinburgh Centre of African Studies. There's a link to Brindley's Teaching Matters post, The Power of an Image, in the show notes. Brindley, um, as you will see, he has already, we've already published his, his blog post, but just to say um, he's currently just a, br- a brand new PhD student, which is very exciting. I'm here um, at the university through the Center for African Studies, and he was a scholar um, last year. Um, he's from Cape Town, and his current research and activism are situated between the intersections of LGBTQA plus rights, race, and religion. Um, and so grateful to have him here. I have always valued the kind of accidental chances we would get to meet. Just in a moment, he could just send my head spinning for weeks about his research or reflections and how he weaves his activism and his call to action with like a real vulnerability and openness. So I really encourage you to read his blog post, but also his other writings as well. Brindley, could you start us off? In, in sharing about how the writing and the reflective process went in, in pulling together your blog? Well, firstly, it brought up a lot of uh, nostalgia and sadness because I write about my ex. So thank you, Teaching Matters, for making me relive the heartbreak. <laughs> I'm kidding. The heartbreak is quite central to the sort of work that I do. Um, the the sort of writing that is essentially not necessarily academic is pretty much infused with my lived experience. And I draw on observations, my lived experience, autobiographical anecdotes to sort of drive home a point that I want to make. And I would say that because I draw on my lived experience and because I draw on it so vastly, it means that uh, sometimes I have to tap into a certain amount of vulnerability and uh, which can be very therapeutic, to be honest, uh, but also very liberating. The piece that I wrote on the, the power of an image when I had that encounter, I always knew that I was going to write about it. I just didn't know how, when, and, 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 and what would be the purpose of me writing. So when I started writing on it, I immediately encountered the ancient dichotomy between informal 
and formal writing. And, 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 and one of the criticisms as a aspiring academic <laughs> is that the academy isn't necessarily very accessible to the very communities that we research because of our jargon, because of the concepts and theories that we use. So it becomes this paradox or contradictory actually when we write about people, but those very people can't access it. And blogging has become that way for me to do it. The balance between informal and formal writing to me sort of manifests in my own voice and my own style, which I'm quite intentional about using. So while it draws on vulnerability, I also try to leverage my sparkling personality. <laughs> in order to diffuse the tension because what I write about is quite heavy. So just because it's liberating or liberatory or, or um, therapeutic for me doesn't mean it's not cathartic. It's very difficult to write most of the time. But then also it's about developing this relationship with writing. It is this passion and this will to actually bring the idea across. And many times I write start a, a, a blog post and halfway through I deleted because it doesn't feel like it's me and it doesn't feel like it is the story that I want to portray and this is a very natural thing. Um, sometimes I love my writing, sometimes I hate it and because, because there is this tension between infusing the lived experience versus making some sort of empirical observation exists, I found a lot of refuge in sort of free writing. So for my personal blog, I write and then I wouldn't return to, I would post it, but I wouldn't return to it for months. And the rawness of it, the unfiltered nature of it is it's always good for me to see. I, I read one of my earlier blogs um, that I did and I was astounded because it spoke to me that it did what it, it was intended to do. And in that case, I was the recipient after it, after, after writing it. So I think blogging for me is one of those ways that you can as has been said before, break the dis uh, transgress the disciplinary boundaries, uh, allow the personal to infuse. It's also a really good site if you want to actually hear marginalized voices. Because for someone like me who's African and, and queer to publish, it, it takes a double effort to get recognition by these astute academic journals. And so a lot of our voices are found in the less formal spaces and by virtue of being in less informal spaces, it's valued less when you compare it to an academic journal. But that's one of the things that my work tries to change. It's trying to say that the personal, the lived experience are extremely valuable sites of knowledge. And just because it cannot um, uh, stand up to the empirical test of rigor doesn't make it less valuable or less authentic. And, and so writing for me is 
this double process of I write because I want the answers. I write because I need to. It is my way of coping. It's my way of existing in the world. While simultaneously saying that I want this piece to have um, an effect on someone. And, and, and it's, it's always beautiful to see. I mean, I'm not a, a world-renowned writer, but when I do get the message request on Twitter or Facebook, and someone says, look, your, your reflections on, on coming out has really sort of brought this tension to the forefront in my own life. I think it's, it's a great sense of purpose. It's a great sense of, of, of personal victory, but also the reality that, okay, this work is doing what it's supposed to do. It is transformative. It does pose questions. It makes people uncomfortable. And I think, although it, 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 it I love that uncomfortability because it is that uncomfortability that, that, that poses, that, that plants the seed. And, and much of what we, we learn about this world is going to be uncomfortable because structures of it, structures of body, gender-based violence, sexual violence. These aren't necessarily a historical or um, a emotional phenomena. They talking about them are, are, is uncomfortable and might exact some sort of violence. Um, but I think it's, 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 it's an important work. And I, I find a lot of refuge um, in blogging and, and sort of sharing those elements. Yeah. Thank you. So, so profound. I mean, I think there's so much there, but just really feel the sense of this dance between what is for you and what's for your audience and the sparkle and the serious and the liberating and the discomfort. And I think the mastery of that and how your intuition has played in that is, is really, really powerful. Thank you. Thanks for that, really. That was great.